0: You can throw your pixel, your Snapchat pixel, your Pinterest pixel, your Twitter pixel, all of your pixels on your website, and then just run remarketing on all of those channels and simply step in front of them as they peruse the internet um, and just gently remind them that, Hey, hey, we're still sitting over here with this product. How can we help you? You're likely going to see a much higher rate of return on that remarketing than you ever will in your cold prospecting.
1: Most business owners and entrepreneurs are secretly sick of hustling. And if you are too, you're in the right place welcome to the hustle less profit more podcast with me mickey anderson where we're revolutionizing success because you should have it all business success lasting wealth freedom and fulfillment join me on this quest to uncover the keys to defining and achieving success on our terms so we can all hustle less and profit more you ever wondered what it takes to run a successful e-commerce business, or even how to add e-commerce to your existing business? In today's episode, I talk with Ben Kniegendorf, the co-founder of Dropship Breakthrough, where they help people just like you start an e-commerce business for less than $500 in under 30 days. In this episode, we talk all things e-commerce, websites, experience choosing products from start to finish. I hope you enjoy this episode with Ben Kniegendorf. So Ben, you know, I, I find e-commerce to be a wild world from my perspective as a marketer. There's so many things going on, but you have basically taught hundreds, if not more people, how to build successful e-commerce businesses. So can you give the audience a little bit of a breakdown of, of what you do? Yeah, I think what
0: we teach is a, a little bit different than most people, right? So you can kind of break down e-commerce into, you know, starting your own product or selling other people's products, or God forbid, finding arbitrage from Walmart to Amazon or, or whatever it is, right? There's a, there's a lot of different ways to do e-commerce. And so yeah, we, we teach a very specific method, one in which I've had extreme success in, I would say. I, I was able to be part of a company that went $1 million to $11 million in two years. And I've built and sold half dozen of these at this point. And so like, I think we teach something different. I think that's what I bring to the table is just like a different view on on how this could look. And um, some ways are definitely harder than others, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Um, so why don't you give us a little bit of a breakdown of, of what makes your method different from what typically we see with e-commerce businesses?
0: I'm going to guess that in this title, you put the word dropshipping. And that's already going to turn some people off. Here, right. So, I think drop shipping in general gets a bad rap most of the time. When people think drop shipping, they are thinking AliExpress and drop shipping things from China in a heavily taped box that shows up 40 days later and disappoints the customer, and then they shut down their website, go find the next hot product, and do it all over again. Um, that's simply not what we teach. So, first off, drop shipping itself is just a method of fulfillment. That is somebody else fulfilling the order on your behalf. They're on your behalf. They're drop shipping it for you. And I would say. Probably half the internet works this way. Like, that's just what uh, e commerce has been for 20 years. It's been around a very, very long time. And so, to move away from those bros that you've seen on TikTok or YouTube or wherever standing next to their rented Lambo and move it towards something that's actually sustainable, I- I'd like to pose to you the idea that you should sell high ticket products, like high expensive products from suppliers that are local to you, from brands that you've definitely heard of. Um, and I think that's a-, a different take than most people have heard. That Again, they're looking for, you know, $20, $30, $40 item that they can run TikTok ads or Facebook ads, I'm suggesting sell brands you've already heard of uh, at prices that give you enough margin to actually go find a customer um, and from brands that people are already searching for. So the low ticket products, your own brand, whatever it is, you're often doing demand creation. You have to interrupt Mickey while she's scrolling TikTok and say, look at this cool product I just found and, and hopefully get them interested enough to go purchase from you. Whereas what we teach, again, selling from brands you've definitely heard of, there's already demand in the marketplace. You can just go to Google, step in front of them with shopping ads or search ads or SEO, um, and then garner the sale that way. And to me, that sounds easier. Capturing demand sounds far easier than generating demand.
1: Yeah, I love the idea of choosing a higher ticket product, especially when you're first starting Uh, in in service. We we talk about it all the time, you're better off selling one or two really high ticket products instead of trying to sell a whole bunch more because it's all sales anyways. And if you're attracting the right people with the right demand, you're going to be better off. So it sounds like there's a lot of similarities in that, when we're looking at those products, and at least for me, logistically, the idea of fulfilling that demand feels complicated. Is it as complicated as it looks from the outside?
0: Yeah, I don't think it is. So, to your point, to your first point, I would love to talk economics. This is why this yeah. is so much more important, right? So, if you want to make uh, $30,000 in sales next month and you're selling a $30 item, which is pretty reasonable for AliExpress or anybody selling their own product, you're going to need to sell a thousand units of that product. Whereas, if you sell a $3,000 item like a Pelican. Or um, some things for a tiny home, or any of th- a three printer. A lot of things that I've personally sold. You're going to need to sell ten of those items. So like you're going to need less employees for ten orders than you will for a thousand orders. And I know this podcast is all about doing you know doing less and profiting more, right? You're going to have less damages and returns just from a mathematical standpoint on ten items versus a uh, thousand. You're going to have less overhead, less risk, um, and that's to me the economic side of that. Like if you sell a three thousand dollar item with thirty percent margins, you have nine hundred dollars to go acquire a customer, um, pay your team. Also, we're running businesses here. We'd like to make a profit at the end of the day. And so to me, I would rather focus on selling that $3,000 item uh, than selling a whole bunch of $30 items and constantly having to take my profit and buy more stock that I'm going to sell in six months and and just be in that never-ending cycle of of no cash flow.
1: The old rat race there. Yeah. So when it comes to customer acquisition, um, I feel like a lot of people assume that with lower priced products, it's easier to acquire customers. Is that actually the case?
0: Yeah. Thank you for refreshing my memory on what the actual question was before I I diatribe. I'm, I'm very good at uh, going off topic. Uh, all right. So I think it's more of a perceived thing that it's harder, but just in general, you're thinking well, it's more expensive. It must be harder, but there there are buyers for everything. Right. And so just like there is a buyer for, I'm trying to think of something silly. Like we bought a uh, bubble guns for the kids that were like $40. They shot millions of bubbles. We thought it was amazing. Again, it showed up 40 days later. It was not a great product. And um, just like there's buyers for those type of products, there's buyers for expensive products, right? I've sold 3d printers or standing desks or tiny home products, um, pellet grills. I've sold a, a whole, lot of different types of items and, and there's people searching for those products. So it, it is though a different type of marketing. Again, the lower ticket products, you're, you're creating demand, you're on social media, interrupting somebody, trying to get them interested in your product, or you're paying influencers to create videos for you and, and generate demand. Whereas if I'm selling a, uh, we'll call it a Memphis Pro, uh, Pellet Grill, I'm simply going to Google, building out a funnel in Google Shopping, which is just simply their priority levels so that you can isolate keywords. And I'm going to pay money to someone searching I'm going to pay extra money for someone searching Memphis Pro Pellicle. and I'm going to pay a little bit of money for someone searching Pellicle. very very small, right to fill the top of the bucket. but you are able to isolate keywords that people are already searching and just simply pay to step in front of those people and, and hopefully close the sale If you built a decent website and, and you know have
1: a good offer. you know you, you mentioned the word influencer there and I, I, thought, I was like, oh my goodness, I think a lot of people when they think e-commerce, they assume if you're going to be running your own e-commerce business, you need to be. In- Influence or you need to be on social media all the time. What it sounds like is that it's not necessarily the case.
0: Yeah, I would say with this model, no. And honestly, other ones, like certainly if if you have the ability to create a character like uh, Liver King's in the news right now, right? He's shocking. He's on steroids. Obviously, he was, right? But like if you can create a character like Liver King, you're, of course, you're going to do better than someone who's not front facing. You can also do that by hiring somebody to be front facing. Uh, But no, for this business model, honestly, I don't think you need to do much with social media as far as like being. A presence out there. Now, certainly the more you post, the more you can interact, the more you can build a community. That's going to work better in any business model. But I don't think this is paramount in, in this particular business model. In fact, I think you need to go to get good at traffic acquisition, which is, again, it's Google ads, Bing ads, uh, remarketing on all of the channels. SEO is my favorite channel by far. Uh, and then you need to get good at customer service because that's basically what this business model is.
1: Would you say that having at least a general knowledge in marketing in general, so understanding what tra- traffic and acquisition is, and like the technical side of Google ads is essential for someone going to start a business like this?
0: Yeah. I mean, you you need to acquire that traffic, right? So I think uh, we teach that quite well in our course, you know, Um, but you can learn that online. I think the problem with like Google ads and and, like trying to learn that from the, from scratch is one, you're going to go to YouTube and you don't know whether you're getting a video that you should trust or a video you shouldn't trust. And if you just avoid all of that and just go to Google, Google wants you to, to use all of their new products, which. Some work, some, uh, and they're only going to get better. Of course, it's only going to get better. Technology is a one-way street. Moore's law says we're going to get there faster than ever. Some work, but I would say the majority don't. And the majority don't for high-ticket products. So uh, I've tested them. I also own a a pet supplement brand. Um, My funnel beat all of their stuff until smart shopping came around, smart shopping beat that, now Performance Max does not beat that. Um, They are very good at getting sales on your brand name. And so like, if you're gonna trust Google, Google's gonna be like, yeah, here's a great way to spend a whole bunch of money with us, um, but not necessarily what's best for your business. So I do think you need a foundation, but you're gonna need that in any type of business model. Right? You're either gonna need to hire somebody who actually knows what they're doing, And there's no shortage of people who don't know what they're doing who are out there marketing themselves for that either um or you need to spend time learning this i would encourage any business owner any business model like at least get an understanding of what you're doing put 10 to 40 hours into it really understand it before you go hire somebody because if you don't even understand what you're doing or understand the lingo or understand any part of it, um, you're just ripe for somebody to abuse their power over you.
1: What a great point. I think a lot of us um, as business owners in particular, we assume that the outside experts know everything. Yeah, <laughs> That's definitely not the case. And that brings up the question of credibility. I think one of the things you mentioned just recently was searching on YouTube and not sure if you're going to get credible information. And it made me think of those high ticket products that we're talking about too. Do you think that the credibility of the product helps the business reputation? reputation as well, compared to choosing a lower, lower quality product that maybe doesn't have that credibility. I think
0: certainly you are a little bit of a a parasite on those brands. When you're selling those brands, when REI is is selling those brands, you trust REI because you trust the selection of brands that REI brought in there. You trust like Wayfair is the best example of high-ticket dropshipping. There used to be hundreds of high-ticket dropshipping stores. They came together to be one Wayfair company, um, still a lot dropshipped. And like, You trust Wayfair because they have a collection of products that you trust. So like certainly if you're carrying some amazing brands, um, they can make you look better. Specifically in this business model, the more well-known brands might actually not be the best brands for you to sell. There's a lot more demand. There's a lot more competition. Um, Sometimes they're not a pleasure to work with in my experience. Um, Whereas some of the smaller companies that don't have quite the footprint, you might be their only reseller online, which opens up a wide opportunity for you smaller businesses tend to have their um their hands more in the business and so the products usually slightly better and there's not so much bureaucracy going on and so while the big names can bring you some clout if you will um and possibly make your shoppers feel more confident in shopping with you those brands might not actually be uh, great brands for you to retail
1: what a great point i think um at least for me from the outside, right? You would think, Oh, I'm going to pick the the biggest and the best and the most well-known product. But I like that you mentioned that because we, I think sometimes we forget to weigh the opportunity with the risk or the challenges. (laughs) We just see the shiny object and assume it's the right choice, but not necessarily.
0: There is no shortage of shiny objects everywhere, right? (laughs) Whether it's brands or whether it's a new business model or whether it's, you know, know, I heard this Ben guy talking about how to take a dropshipping on the podcast today, right? Like there is no shortage of opportunities in this world. And so, um, yeah. They're just, they're not all as cracked up as they uh, seem.
1: Can you walk us through like a general idea of the framework that you bring your clients through and teaching them this, this methodology?
0: Yeah. So we break this down pretty well. I think one of my favorite parts of this is like, you can get started pretty simply and for honestly around $500, which is hard to say for any business model. So if you look at some of the other like franchises are going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars to get going. And you're, you're kind of a entrepreneur when you're a franchise. I don't know. You're not, you're not a full entrepreneur. I'm not trying to diss you. It's just like, you're not, you're not, I don't know. You're not, Yeah, we'll move on. Anyway, like if you launch your own brand, uh, you're going to need to do research. You're going to have to get samples. You're going to have to place a probably decently sized order. You're going to launch and hope somebody likes your products and that you're moving them. And again, the whole cash flow thing, I'm well aware of having my own brand. Like if you order a thousand units, you sell 500. When you sell this 500, you take that profit and you go buy 2,000 more units because you're on pace to to grow. And when you sell a thousand, you're just in this vicious cycle of never actually seeing your profit and your business looks great on paper. What I like about... High drop dropshipping. Being a retailer of products is you can start for less than five hundred bucks. So you're going to need a domain, right? You're going to need uh, you know MickeyAnderson.com. You're going to need Shopify. That's twenty nine dollars. Uh, you probably want a paid theme. I don't think you actually need one. My first business, I didn't use a paid theme on Shopify. But of course, the the more you pay, the more the better you're going to look. So that could be anywhere from one hundred and eighty to five hundred dollars nowadays. The themes are getting crazy out there. Um, you're going to need Google Workspace. You're going to need Mickey at mydomain.com that's twelve dollars you're going to need an 800 phone number because you're a real business right and so grasshopper does this for forty dollars a month you might want to get a little branding done for your homepage, your carousel um you know your logo your colors things like that maybe fifty dollars a hundred dollars on fiber tops um and then your basic expense is going to be the google ads uh, as we mentioned before google wants you to spend money with them so they'll give you a coupon that is spend 150 will give you 150 or spend 500 will give you 500. That is your biggest expense outside of your time which you're going to have to invest time here calling those brands uh, uploading their products building out collection pages setting up your google ads setting up merchant center doing all the things you need to do in your business uh, so that you can utilize that free money google gave you to hopefully grab a couple sales in your first 150 plus 150 or 500 plus 500 and then kind of roll that in your business and so um, that's the steps like This business model is quite simple, um, but that doesn't mean it's easy, right? Like you still have to do work. Um, You are still building a real business, one that becomes an asset that is sellable. You can go find these on Quiet Light Brokerage or empireflippers.com. It's not a turn and burn website. You're building a real business and that's gonna take some investment on you from your pocket, mostly from your time.
1: Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned it because I think a lot of us, start off in entrepreneurship thinking i'm gonna have so much more time (laughs) but that's not necessarily the case and it's i think a lot of it is just about like putting time in to gain the experience too because you only learn as you do for the most part right we can read all about it but until you actually get your feet wet it's really hard to know um now i'm curious about product collections and, and curating those products on your site when you're first starting out do you recommend starting with like one primary product or do you recommend starting with the collection
0: yeah so john and i john's my business partner on this we actually don't recommend talking about products too much Um, products will come after you find the person you want to serve so when we're in e-commerce oftentimes we're looking at numbers on a screen right and i'm sure you've heard the phrase two percent is like the uh average conversion rate on an e-commerce store right so that means two people two numbers on a screen that's actually you know that's a person behind the screen 98 of those people are raising their hand saying i really like what you're offering here but you didn't do something for me we're just letting those 98 people walk and so um you got to focus on the person you have to serve the i don't know if i can swear on here you have to serve yeah. the shit out of a person and hopefully give them their solution whether they buy from you or not but they'll likely buy from you if you give. Them their solution whether they buy from you or not, um, and it really focus on a human. So if you can focus on the human behind the screen, who's the person you want to serve? For me, I like to focus on on me. Like what what do I like? Where are the places I hang out? What do I like to do? Because I'm going to know the lingo I use. So I used to uh, one of the biggest companies we built was in the golf industry, and so. I'm a golfer. I know the language I speak. I know that I would literally pay any amount of money for me to get one more stroke. I know, uh, the places I hang out online. I know the influencers that are cool, the influencers that are not cool. I understand the keywords I would search to find the products I have. I understand all the problems I have. And so marketing to me made a ton of sense. Now, what are the products that fit into the criteria of, of high ticket, if you will, um, that, you know, we teach in our course the, that a golfer would purchase and then just kind of work through that. And now we have our products. Uh, how can we be different? We create a, you know, a unique offer around those products, a unique selling proposition that they aren't going to find on any other website. And and that's, that's as honestly as simple as it is, but you've got to focus on the who I, I give this advice a lot. I, I, uh, I went against my own words. Once I bought a business from a consulting client who was ready to move on. And I was like, Oh, this business is right for the picking. I love the, every, all the metrics. And I started selling products to older people who were not, affluent, um, not fun customers. That's not me. I don't want to deal with them. They complain a lot. There's a lot of returns, a lot of chargebacks. Um, And I learned my lesson the hard way of like, you know, practice what you preach here, choose the person. Whereas again, in the golf industry, um, that was really easy to wake up every day and be able to speak to them and write emails and write ad copy um, and run ads and do customer service because those are my people. I knew exactly how to handle them.
1: This episode is brought to you by the Hustle Less Profit More Club. The Marketing Solution for Small Businesses Struggling to Grow. Learn how to ditch marketing that doesn't work and create a no-fluff, high-powered marketing strategy that scales in the Hustle Less, Profit More Club. This monthly business coaching program is designed for busy entrepreneurs and business owners who struggle to market their business. Inside you'll learn everything you need to set proper marketing goals, prioritize your efforts and grow your business. Head over to heymickeyanderson.com/slash club to learn more. Now back to the episode. Yeah. Anytime you're feeling like you need some inspiration, you just go and go out and play a game of golf. Well, making content to your point
0: of the social media early, making content for that was quite easy as as you know, we just were playing golf. Um, and you get to write off all of your golf rounds and your golf membership. Like uh it ended up being a great thing too. <laughs>
1: I love it. Um, one of the things we hear all the time, and I'm sure you've heard it a million times is like the riches are in the niches, right? Niche down, whatever way you want to say it. Do you agree that in this kind of a business, you also need to to niche down?
0: Yeah. I think the human you should niche down to, right? Yeah. Not necessarily the products. You can go pretty wide, right? So uh, in the beginning, I, I did subscribe to that like you know niche product idea. That, that's where I learned way back in 2015. So I, I only sold 3D printers and I had a pellet grill site and I only sold pellet grills. And then the next, business uh was somebody got on a call he was selling composting toilets and he was like how do we grow this and i was like i think we have to sell more than who's buying these composting toilets and that's really where the who sparked so he said uh, it's people who are building tiny homes or live in a tiny home who are looking for these products. And I said, why don't we, why don't you sell everything that's in a tiny home? And he, he gave me half his business on the spot and said, let's go do that thing. So we did. So we opened shop started selling everything in there. Cause we were selling to one human who needed way more than just that toilet. And so I would say, focus on a human understand their needs they're likely going to have more than one piece of their needs and then sell all of those things so that you can have somebody not just come purchase from you one time one pellet grill and never come back to you um hopefully they can buy a toilet and buy a stove uh, and buy some solar panels if if you get my drift there like so don't go super wide. you can't serve everybody uh but you can serve one human who certainly has more than one product as an interest,
1: you know, customer retention is one of my favorite things to talk about, because I think there's so much opportunity that is missed in so many businesses, right? you got that customer. They said yes to you. And then usually we wave and say, bye, see you whenever. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I love the idea of choosing that human and just continuing to find ways to serve them. I think,
0: look, I'll, I'll take it back a step and like, not even you got them as a customer and then continuing to serve them there is a wonderful stat inside of your Google analytics. And I hesitate to try to like walk you through how to get there, but uh, there is a stat in there where you can see new visitors versus returning visitors and what they're worth to you. Mm -hmm. And it's a shockingly low number of people who have come one time who have purchased from you, no matter what you sell. But if you look at that line below it, maybe a 10th of those people or a fifth of those people have come back twice, but they are worth 10 times more to you just by simply getting in front of them again. And so, you know, Yes, when you get them as a customer, you should continue serving them. But even before that, if they've stopped on your website, if they've raised their hand and said, I kind of like what you have to offer, you should be everywhere. Uh, Jay Abraham calls it 3D marketing. So if you can throw your pixel, your Snapchat pixel, your Pinterest pixel, your Twitter pixel, all of your pixels on your website, and then just run remarketing on all of those channels and simply step in front of them as they peruse the internet um, and just gently remind them that, hey, hey, we're still sitting over here with this product. How can we help you? Um, You're likely going to see a much higher rate of return on that remarketing than you ever and your cold prospecting
1: i love it i'm such a big advocate for starting at the bottom of the funnel and working your way up and so i anytime we can talk remarketing and and kind of working at conversion optimization i get very excited Mm excited Um, but one thing I really want to make sure we talk about, you mentioned that USP, right? That, that how can I stand out compared to all of the other retailers online, all of those other e commerce businesses? How do you help those customers coming to you saying, okay, I, I have this as my client? How do I make sure that I stand out compared to the competitors? Yeah,
0: it, it's uh, a question we get often, right? Like you can kind of morph that into, why would I sell this when the brand can already sell this or why would I why would anyone buy from me when there's 14 other retailers selling this thing and so you do need a unique selling proposition you can get it as simple as you know free shipping and easy returns like it just risk reversal can be part of this otherwise what has worked best for me in the past has been bundles and so um, one company I was part of we were selling, from three different vendors how to get one product basically right and and no one somehow no one on the internet was like why don't we just bundle these together and sell these and so we actually came up with a name for this we made a name for it um we we still use the brand name from the main product and then called it like the platinum uh and then the gold and then the um I can't even remember some of the other names that we made up, but it it, it didn't take long before there was search volume on those keywords. We had invented this and that's exactly what people were looking for, right? And so if you can just simply bundle products together that should already be together um, and and name it and and brand it, um, that's... A very simple way to do this, and I'm sure there are many, many others um, that you can go through depending on the business that you're in. But yeah, you do need to be a little bit different. You can't just be another reseller online. You will, of course you'll get sales doing that, but you're never going to grow um, a giant business by just being another seller on the internet.
1: It reminds me a little bit of the the concept of kind of like the subscription box almost, where you're trusting somebody who's more of an expert than you to curate exactly what you might need for whatever it is you're doing. So it could be for fitness or for health. But here, I love that you're choosing that product and then. Okay, what naturally would a person also need or want to go along with this? I'm going to make it so easy that they're not going to want to resist.
0: Yeah. I mean, a good example that's kind of popular now, at least in the entrepreneur circles is, um, you know, Andrew Huberman's out there telling you to get in a sauna every day, right? If you go four times a week for 30 minutes, uh, that lowers your all cause mortality by 50%. And then on the next podcast episode, he's telling you I'll also wake up in the morning and hop into your cold plunge. Uh, and so why wouldn't you build a hot and cold package if you, if you were on a wellness site of that type, um, and call Andrew Huberman and be like, Hey, I'm willing to give you 5% of every single one of these that we sell, we're going to call it the Huberman package and we'd love for you to promote it. Right. Um, there's a lot of opportunity out there to bring something unique to the market, even if you're selling other people's products.
1: One of the things that I'd like to chat about that you just mentioned there was, you know, reaching out to either experts or people out in the field who you can leverage their name, their advertising and kind of name the package around them for a percentage. Can you talk a little bit more about that process?
0: Yeah. Uh, this is something that I've only recently messed around with and it's only because I was put in a room. So, um, man, this, this could turn into a long story, Mickey, but uh, basically entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship ends up being the biggest like self-help program you'll ever be, like the best self-help program out there. So you might think business is hard. That's not, that's not necessarily true. Um, you've heard people tell you business is hard. It's, it's effort, but I wouldn't say it's hard. What is hard is getting through the blocks that are in your way that you put there. They're in between your ears. Um, and so through this process of entrepreneurship, I've done some cool things, but along the way, I realized, man, there's a lot of work I need to do on myself. That introduced me to uh, Elliot Rowe as my coach. He's my mindset coach. He coaches um, some of the best poker players in the world, some of the best CEOs in the world, just elite people. And uh, for some reason, he thought I belonged in that group. And so he invited me into these rooms and I met a lot of big influencers. And that's really where this really kind of clicked of like, not necessarily, uh, you know, pay to play, which is what I think the influencer world is currently, but how do you actually build real relationships? And so sitting down with, I don't want to name any names here, but sitting down with some of the people in those rooms and being able to meet them. And then it turns out my family and I went in Florida and one person in that room lived in the same town. And so we connected even further. And now she you know, sends us quite a few sales on one of the products that we have, just recommending us on her website. Whereas like, if I did cold outreach and said, how much would it cost for a guest post on your site? Here's what I'm willing to pay. Uh, they're not even going to you know, respond to that email. Right. And so um, I would encourage building real relationships there. I think, you know, the Heberman example, I'm going to need to find a connection to Andrew and not just send him a cold email because he's going to laugh it off and, and, and not even discuss that. So uh, my friend George says Relationship speed algorithms. He nailed it. Like you have to go build relationships in this business.
1: What great advice! I think just like you mentioned earlier, with serving that customer, right, choosing your person, and then selling to them. I think it just speaks volumes to the fact that regardless of what business you're in, you're in the business of people, and the better you get at dealing with and building relationships with people, the better your business and your life is going to be. Hundred percent. I think you nailed it. So when you go to these rooms and you get to speak to these incredible people, do you come in with a pitch in mind? Do, are you like one of those people who has mad scientist plans in the back of your mind when you hear a name or, or does, are these things kind of happening naturally for you
0: yeah for me honestly i didn't feel like i belonged in that room right so <laughs> the, this self-help journey like listen anyone listening to this you have the voices in your head that tell you either you're not smart enough you're not good enough it'll never work or what if it doesn't work it just like we all have honestly issues from our childhood that hold us back we have boxes that were built for us between the ages of three and seven uh that dictate how we live our lives like 90 95 of your decisions are on autopilot and that's from uh things that were implanted in you as a kid, watching your parents live their life. And maybe you love your parents, but I bet you don't want to be like your parents, right? Like the they were great in their time and you want to be great in your time. And so there's a lot of limiting beliefs that were holding me back. So I didn't go into the room with a agenda. Number one, I was like oh, well, I I was very nervous about going into a mastermind with Elliot and some of the people that were there. And um yeah just leaving there, just I don't know, being your authentic self. And Elliot has a way of uh his mastermind is simply like get up on a hot seat and talk through your problem and then the room's gonna see what your real problem is and they're gonna tell you about it and then you're gonna work through it and there's a whole lot of crying going going on. And so, um, working through those process leaves you very, very vulnerable. Uh, but that also connects you deeply to the people that are in the room who share this experience with you. And so I think, uh, honestly, I would just be you know thankful to Elliot Rowe for having me in that room. I didn't go in with agenda. I came in being myself and, um, you know, flaws and all. and, and, by other people showing their flaws and all of us just like exposing ourselves and being vulnerable we all became much much closer and that's what led to real relationships i I think if i was coming in there to be transactional i don't think i would have belonged in the room i think everyone would have seen that you're being transactional and nobody would have connected right and i probably wouldn't have been invited back if that's the the way that i had entered a room like that you
1: know i've met so many entrepreneurs and business owners when they're first starting out and i think i I link back to when i first started out i thought i knew a lot of stuff right? We all have this ego where we assume we know it all, or at least we know most things. And so we, we get a little bit vulnerable or closed to taking in um, other people's advice or seeking out mentors or building those relationships. But I think with age and wisdom, we start to learn that um, Cody Sanchez uh, has this great saying, it's um, you're one person away from reaching your next level. And I, I like that idea of kind of accumulating people in your life who are going to help you grow.
0: Yeah. First Cody's awesome. Uh, she presented at e-commerce feel live, blew me away. She's a very, very smart human. Uh, I, w- I would agree with her though. Like you go get a coach. Um, and, and I don't understand. Look, I do understand the, the payment side of it. Cause that was me. I was like, oh, I can't afford this. Right. Uh, and then you realize that like for me, right. I charge, I charge like $3,000 a month to, to do consulting. If I found you just one keyword uh, and you're, again, you're selling $3,000 products. If that one keyword made you four sales, your money got returned. Right. And so like coaching can be an absolute jumpstart to anything you're doing. I've had many coaches. I currently have many coaches and I can't recommend it enough for anyone who at any stage of business Business. like go find somebody ahead of you who can help you just avoid the the, the potholes uh, and bring you to that next level much much faster you might think it's like not in your reach right now financially but if it is like somewhat in your reach just pull the trigger um that alone like that that feeling alone of oh i can't afford this that's going to push you to actually like take their advice and implement their advice and, and make it work right uh just come from a place of abundance knowing that this person knows a lot more than you and they're going to help you along the way don't don't come in there you know with a scarcity mindset of like this has to work today or else i need my money back kind of thing it's, that's not going to work but go find a coach 100 percent
1: yeah I think patience is one of those struggles. It's like a constant battle, right? We want to have trust and patience, but we also want to know and have it yesterday.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't think any business owner does enough of turning around and just mm-hmm. taking a second to be like, look how far we've come. Cause we're all, at least for me, I'm always what's next, what's next, what's next. Uh, and, and often I've seen with a lot of people I consult with, they're kind of delaying that, 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 that happiness as well. Like I'll be happy when I get here. And so rather than like every single day, realizing that you, you know, for me, I, I contribute, right. I answer students questions. I'm doing content online. Like that fills me up. That makes me happy that I'm I'm helping others progress in their business lives, uh, and so it's not like when John and I sell X amount of courses or when we get to X amount of revenue, that's when I'll I'll be able to be happy. No, it's every single day I get to be happy, and so I, I hope anyone listening to this decides to serve who they are. Find their person. Find like you can be in love with the marketing, but if you can also be in love with what you sell and what you do, like then you can every single day be truly happy. And it's not when you hit seven figures or when you hit eight figures that you'll be able to be happy.
1: I love it. You've kind of reframed it so it's not like the achievement or the thing. It's- it's the act of doing and being that really should be the thing that sparks joy.
0: Being—that's like you have to be it before you can do it, and you have to do it before you can have
1: it, right? And so, like, how can you be it every single day? Mm. For those of you listening, I think you should rewind and re-listen to that a few <laughs> times because we all need to hear that at least once a day, right
0: there. Believe me, I still need to hear it too. So I, I might be spotting it off because uh, I'm currently working through it, but I promise you, I'm not perfect either. I, I hope no one <laughs> thinks anyone on your show here has got it all figured out because we don't. We're all just winging it every single day. We're all trying. To figure it out, but just keep going.
1: Yeah, one one foot in front of the other every single day, for sure. Ben, for the listeners who may be interested in starting an e commerce or maybe they have one and they're ready to, to take it to the next level, where can they learn more about you and your services?
0: Yeah, if they're listening to this, they're a podcast junkie like myself. Uh, honestly, maybe not as a uh, junkie as I am, but uh, if you want more podcasts to listen to, come check us out at dropshippodcast.com or just search dropship podcast on any of your favorite players. That's the best place to start. If you started episode one, John and I literally start with great keyword research. What is dropshipping? What is high ticket dropshipping? High ticket versus low ticket? take a and just walking you through the process um and we've had many many people who have started a business and like have successful businesses just by listening to our podcast which is fantastic so like i I don't i'm not here to pitch my course uh if this interests you come check us out on the podcast and uh and go from there but like anybody can do this anyone listening to this you can start a business whether it's what i'm teaching or what someone else is doing and um it might seem hard, and and you might seem fearful that it might not work, but that's just like your lack of preparedness, right? And so, how can you go be pr- more prepared and take more action uh, and fall on your face more often and and realize this this game is fun?
1: I love it. You're just pushing the comfort zone one little bit at a time. <laughs> you
0: have to. I, I don't know. So I, I think about this a lot, right? What he, too many people come, especially reaching out to us about joining our course and like, what if it doesn't work? Um, and we tell you you can get a business started in 30 days, and I mean that. You can get started in 30 days or less in this business model. Just put in the work, and then they're like, yeah, well, will, will I. Re- Replace my salary in the next month. Of course, you won't. Like that's not realistic, right? It, I'll use golf again. If you had never golfed, before, Mickey, have you ever golfed before? Um, I a few times. <laughs> Okay. A few times. So maybe these people listening have dabbled in e-commerce a few times, right? Or they've tried a couple of things. Um, but if we go back to golf and, and, and you told me, Hey Ben, uh, I'm willing to buy your instructional golf course. But if I'm not Tiger Woods by the end of 30 days, then I want my money back. Like that's re- like, first off, you're never going to be as good as Tiger Woods. It's just not realistic. And he's put in the 10,000 hours, probably 10 times by now, if not more than that. Right. And so like, it's the same thing. You just have to put in the hours. Uh, I think it really clicked for me when my I've, uh, almost eight-year-old twins, uh, they train eight tomorrow that. Um, they, when they were learning to ride bikes, they would fall <laughs> off once and just throw the biggest fit. And they're like, I quit. I suck at this. I'm never going to do it. I'm like, you, you try it once, what do you mean? Right. And so like, if you can frame e-commerce or whatever you're trying affiliate marketing, FBA, whatever you're doing, if you can frame it the same as those little kids riding a bike and realize, Oh, of course, I'm not going to be good the first time. Of course, I'm going to fall off my bike and realize that it's just a game that you just need to get better at by putting in the reps. If you can minimize that in your head and realize that it's not that big a deal and it's not that big of an investment in most cases, like then you, you probably won't quit. And that's really the only way this is not going to work. Businesses might fail, but the entrepreneur never fails if they never quit.
1: I love that. That's, that is a quote right there. Your business might fail, but the entrepreneur never fails if they don't quit. I'm like writing that on the wall. That is outstanding. And <laughs> you know, I think a lot of it gets perpetuated by there's a lot of gurus and advice givers out there um, who claim to know it all or at least seem like they know it all or they've just magically became amazing at things. But the truth is it's skill mastery. Like you said, they've yeah. just put in the hours, right? They're just yep. further along the line than you are. And so don't compare yourself, your year one to their year 20 or 30. Yep. Yeah,
0: Comparitis is a real thing. Something I struggle with greatly. Even to this day, it was much, much bigger in the beginning. Uh, I think whoever said, don't meet your heroes, don't meet your gurus either. Like you're, you're, for the most part, you end up being very disappointed in, in what they actually know, or you just tend to frame them as up on this pedestal or, or, or greater than you in some way. And believe me, no one's greater than you, whoever you are listening to. This, no one's greater than you. We're all the same. We're all again, struggling with this every single day. And so I, I, I struggle with the guru thing too. Like, <laughs> I am a big fan of long form content because you can't fake it. So if you and I were to talk for four more hours, this would still sound the same. Um, whereas if you go in just four to 40 hours of your favorite influencer, guru, whatever, you should be able to call some bullshit uh, on the ones that deserve to have bullshit called upon them. And so go spend more time. I, I think it's easy to get sucked into emotion to seeing someone run an ad to you that tells you uh, like, I see ads nowadays that I'll build you a $10,000 a month YouTube channel by the end of next week. And then it'll cost $2,000. Like, what, if you know how to do that, why wouldn't you be building all of these for yourself? What are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, or a fully functional e-commerce store in the next 13 days. Like what? Uh, None of that makes sense. So, um, just, you know, I don't know throw your bullshit detector up there and ingest as much as you can and, and I think you're going to realize who's real and who's not real.
1: I think that's great advice, not just when you're looking online but also when you're looking for a coach or a mentor right the The quick and rapid impulse by jumping on a coach too quickly can sometimes not be the best for you, so take the time to actually do your research and and investigate and listen to the podcasts right
0: for a coach specifically, I would want like a referral. Mm. I would want to talk to someone, and if you go. Ask a coach. Hey, I'd love to talk to five of your clients. Um, First off, make sure that they're not like best friends on. Like all of the internet is just one big circle jerk. Everybody's just like your five buddies will do the reviews on your site, and you'll do a review on their sites. And so, like, first off, make sure it's not just their buddies who left the reviews and who they're scheduling calls with. But uh, honestly, the fake ones probably won't even give you anyone to call. And so, like, go ask for three references and find someone. Or better yet, hopefully, you're in these communities. Like, I love e-commerce fuel. If you're in e-commerce, you do need a million-dollar business at this point to be in there. But there's a lot of groups where you can get in the trenches with other people doing it and. And have them recommend somebody be like this person really worked for me or this person really didn't work for me uh stay away so uh for coaches specifically i'm looking for a referral love it
1: love it noted for sure i've done it before and i will absolutely do that before and that's one of the things that for me as a consultant right and and working i love when people ask for portfolios and reviews or referrals Mm. it makes my heart sing it's like people get a little bit nervous like can i see a few referrals or have some numbers and i'm like yes let me give them all to you because i'm proud of the work that i've done but also it means you're doing your due diligence which means we're probably on the same level
0: and the coach should genuinely care right they like if they <laughs> don't have an intro call with you before you purchase that red flag right there right they should want to call um and tell you hey i don't need your money i, I want to make sure i can help you let's make sure this is a good fit kind of thing and um even in those calls you can get kind of you know bullied over by a sales pitch so you know pay attention just keep your again keep your bullshit meter in, in hand uh, as you're researching <laughs>
1: Love it, awesome, Ben! Thank you so much. I feel like we got so many amazing sound bites and amazing quotes. I'm so, <laughs> I'm like excited <laughs> to go through the transcript here. But thank you so much for your time. For anyone listening, make sure to head over to Dropship Podcast, check it out. Check out Ben online. I'll put all the links in the description box today. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun.
1: Thank you for joining me in another episode of the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast. Thanks to our season one sponsor, Asteri Pursuit Marketing and Communications. You can find show notes and resources at hustlelessprofitmorepodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us where you get your podcasts. Join us again next time to uncover more of the keys to achieving success, wealth, fulfillment, and freedom. Thanks for listening.